So we are going to worship God a bit later on this morning, but I thought to start with, we could open up God's word and uh, continue a wee series that we started a couple of weeks ago. I'm just going to fix my chair. So we, we, I, started, I started a series called There's Something in the Small. And we're running at alongside the rest of the preaching team are going to be looking, are looking at Nehemiah. They've done a couple of talks on Nehemiah. And last time I spoke uh, to kick off this wee series, we looked at a small lunch and what Jesus did with some loaves and fishes. And I encourage you to have a wee listen back. You can watch on YouTube or you can listen on podcast apps if you just search for Inverness Vineyard. And there's lots of similar themes as we go through this little mini series that I hope just speak into uh, the small. And we want to, as we follow Jesus, not despise the day of the small, of the small beginnings, but to see them as a gift. We might think that right now what we have is too small. Who we are is small. It doesn't matter, perhaps, what we bring. We might be thinking that this morning. It doesn't make a dent. And it means that we choose to retreat. It means that we choose to disconnect. It means that we say no more than we say yes, because we focus more inwards than Godwards. Firstly, I think God wants to speak into, and we are to let land and grow, that we actually, this morning, really matter to God. You really matter to him this morning. He really loves you this morning. He knows you. He hears you. He knows what you're going through and he is with you. And with him, right now in this very moment, you are more powerful and a threat to the enemy's schemes than you think you are. And I, I think, uh, I believe as I prepared this morning's we talk that uh, the Holy Spirit is going to realign some thought patterns and actually just uproot some lies that we have let bed in and we have let take root. Uh, th this week, uh, I shared a little thing on uh, Facebook, I think it was, around, uh, what was that around? It was around shows, TV shows that are making comebacks. So maybe you can put in the chat some TV shows that have made comebacks that you don't think quite fit it or they're just not as good as the originals. Uh, and I think it kind of ties in where I'm going with this little story uh, with what we're looking at this morning. But I heard this week that Changing Rooms is making a comeback. Now, Changing Rooms was quite popular in the late 90s, I think, early 2000s. And it done exactly what it said on the tin. It, would, uh, it was a group of designers that would change rooms, interior design. It was like the classic show you'd watch if you were off sick from school. You know those kind of shows? And you'd lie on the couch and you'd be flicking through the channels and that would come on. And uh, there's lots of remakes. It got me thinking, wow, that's coming back after 20 odd years. There's lots of remakes. Uh, supermarket Sweep. Does anyone remember Supermarket Sweep? There was a little phrase with that. I haven't wrote it down. What was it again? Something about the beep. Remember Supermarket Sweep. Also Catchphrase. That's made a comeback. Crystal Maze. That, I mean, that was my favourite show. One of my favourite shows growing up. I actually had the board game as well. There's been lots of remakes of movies. Uh, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. We won't go into that remake. The original is, is incredible. But it seems like as a culture, to get people back to engage, we, we are enticing them with what they once loved or that nostalgia. It's driven by nostalgia. And I just feel that, that God is stirring and is longing for new stories. No more remakes. 
And I, I think that will involve, as we step out of this season, a lot of uh, new ways of doing things, new people doing things, grace in abundance, and deep relationships with each other and with Jesus. There are new stories to be written, and as we look at today's Bible passage, I want to remind us that these stories are often found, often started in the small, uh, unexpected places and with small, unexpected people like you and like me. So uh, we're going to be looking at David and Goliath, and it's, I feel like this is a in-the-battle kind of message. And in the context of things, the story that we're reading looks different and it's new in all sorts of ways to what people were used to in Old Testament times. So we have David, a small shepherd boy, and Goliath, the Philistine giant. Uh, this, this story, the outcome, it was new, it was unheard of, it was unlikely, it was wild, and it was centered on a small boy and some small stones. You know, right now, as you're watching and you're, you're just recalling that story just before we read it. You might be facing giants right now. There might be some things that are just feeling incredibly overwhelming. Perhaps it's, it's just struggles over health. Perhaps it's relationships, financial burdens, addictions. I, I want to pray for you right now before we open up God's word. I pray, Lord, that as we uh, read this passage, as we unpack this, uh, this story, that the giants that we face would be faced head on with you today, God. I want to pray, come Holy Spirit, come presence of God. Would you invade every room, every person, every home, every family that's represented watching this morning or catching up through the week and these giants we offer them to you this morning we surrender them to you little old us and we trust we trust wholeheartedly that there's something that you want to do this morning with them help us lord help us lord we cling to the the verse in matthew 5 3 where it says you're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there's more of God and his rule. Amen. Amen. So let's read. So uh, we see a battle happening between the Philistines and the Israelites. 1 Samuel 17, and I'm going to read verse 4 uh, from verse 4. And we'll kind of dot about a bit as uh, I give you, you can read it all in your, your own time, but we'll dot about and give a bit of a, a recap at certain points. So a champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. His height was six cubits and a span. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armour of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield-bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine, and are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man and let him come down to me. 
If he's able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistines said, This day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Now David was the son of an Ephrathite named Jesse, who was from Bethlehem in Judah. Jesse had eight sons, and in Saul's time he was very old. Jesse's three eldest sons had followed Saul to the war. The firstborn was Eliab, the second Abinadab, and the third Shammah. David was the youngest. The three eldest followed Saul. But David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. For 40 days, the Philistine came forward every morning and every evening and took his stand. And then we see uh, David being a messenger, going back and forth, uh, inquiring what was happening. And to kind of fast forward a bit, he then asks to be put forward to fight Goliath. We pick up in verse 32. David said to Saul, so he's approaching Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you're not able to go out against the Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. And then we read of David is ready to face Goliath and Saul is trying to give him all his kit, give him all his armour, get him ready with what's to be expected, what you need to face this giant. But he refuses it. And we'll go into that in a little bit more detail in a moment. And then we pick up verse 45, this, this showdown. David says to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And then we read the actual face-to-face is starting moment. Verse 48, as the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag, taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead And he fell face down on the ground. Amen. Amen. David and Goliath. It's a famous story. I love it. I loved it as a young boy growing up and hearing it as well. I think it was that sense of adventure and the battle and the giant and David slaying the giant. Uh, And as I think of a small boy... Of small stones, and as we look at the series, there's something in the small. Uh, there's there's a lot that Jesus wants to teach into this when we're called into the battlefield. Uh, I want to look at three statements, three statements that uh, I I think we can often speak out when faced with our Goliaths, when faced with our giants, and that actually this story 
David, the shepherd boy, teaches us to overcome. The first one, the first statement is, I'm not meant to be here. I'm not meant to be here. Uh, there's a game that we often play as an icebreaker at life groups or uh, you might play it at parties maybe and it's the game two lies one truth and you know when you go around everybody and you say two lies and one truth and you have to guess which one the truth is uh, and for one time only a, a my truth when I play this game is that for one time at uni I used to be a hair model I used to be a hair model now, you're probably chuckling at home, or you might actually be like, yeah, I get that. His hair always looks great. <laughs> but that's, that, that's this, the truth statement that I use in this game. It's hilarious, isn't it? And the story behind this is I was stopped on the street at Stirling Uni, and I was asked if I would go to a Lee Stafford hairdressing modelling show. <laughs> Absolutely true. And you can Google Lee Stafford. He is a, a hairdresser. I think he's like a celebrity hairdresser. And be a hair model. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but I remember going, yeah, I'll do this. Did I get a free haircut? So not only did I get a free haircut at the show, but I got free haircuts for, I think it was like half a dozen haircuts afterwards. And I remember sitting in the hairdressing chair in a central Glasgow nightclub on a Friday afternoon in front of about 100 hairdressers, missing a business studies lecture. And uh, one guy was shaving funny patterns into my hair. And everyone was going, ooh, and clapping at the end. And I was thinking, oh, my goodness, I'm not meant to be here. What on earth am I doing? What on earth am I doing? And, uh, yeah, it's a funny story, isn't it? I can't quite believe it myself. But I think, just to get a bit serious, I think we can have moments where we speak that out in our lives. I'm not meant to be here. I'm not meant to be here. We can have moments like that too. What, what on earth am I doing? Where we say that statement in the battleground or even in the day-to-day -day life or places or spaces that we're in, that God, God has ordained us to be in and move in for that moment. We perhaps think things like, I'm not meant to I can't cut it here, or what am I doing here, or this isn't my gig, or I'm not ready, I'm too small, I'm too weak, I've not got this, I've not got that. Yet we see with David a fascinating thing. We see with David a timeline that draws him into the battlefield to face Goliath. When everyone else retreats, he steps in. He doesn't step further away. We see his brothers, he has seven other brothers, and a number of them, it states in the passage, went to war. I think three of them went to war. He was the youngest of these brothers. He was tending sheep, we read in verse 15. He was a shepherd boy. He was a message, messenger for the family. He'd go back and forth and relay messages. And he was a bread deliverer. We read that in verse 17 to 19. In, in the passage, we read of David hearing the giant, hearing what was going on. In verse 20, we see that David heard the battle cries. We read that. We see in verse 22, he ran to the battle lines. We see in verse 23, he heard Goliath. We see in verse 24, everyone else was scared. In verse 26, David says, well, what happens to the guy who actually floors this giant, who sorts this out? In verse 28, his brother says, why have you come down here? Have you come down here just to see the carnage? Why have you come down here? 
And then we read in verse 32 and verse 33, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. And then after that, even Saul says to him, you're not cut out for this. You're too young. This is a warrior. You're in your youth. We see that there's something in this passage, in the small, that uh, this shepherd boy, he doesn't back down. There's something in this small shepherd boy that God's spirit, I believe, is stirring and growing in him. He heard the battle cries. He hears Goliath. He sees the giant. He hears his brother's anger coming down. What on earth are you doing here? You're not meant to be here. He hears Saul's doubts, but he remains and he doesn't retreat. He is there for such a time as this. There's so much So many people, so many circumstances, so many, this isn't the way it's meant to be, that should pull him away. That should mean, ah, actually, you're right. But he pushes further in. What is that? What is that? It's fascinating. An army is terrified and David isn't. He's intrigued when others are fearful. He steps up. He speaks truth. The small shepherd boy is being led by the almighty God. I want to ask this morning, church family, where has the enemy fed lies and froze you out of a place where God is calling you into in your smallness? Let me ask you that question again and just think and offer it up to the Holy Spirit in your living room or wherever you are watching this. Where has the enemy fed you lies and froze you out of a place Where God is calling you into in your smallness. Where have you listened to other voices or just dialogued with yourself? I'm just a small shepherd. Or you've heard everyone else's reservations. You you were up for it. You're like, yeah, let's go. I'm ready to step in. But somebody else has said, oh, really? And you've went with the crowd. You've stepped back and you've accepted the giant is going to stay lurking. When in fact, God has put everything in you to slay it. And you know deep down you're called into that space. I want to pray for all of us, Holy Spirit, for, for, for holy just a resoluteness and to not give up, to embrace the, our smallness in the face of giants. For less of us and more of you, God. I pray that we would learn to be people that are at the end of our rope, Lord, that recognize our smallness, that live looking uh, transfixed on your greatness, Lord. May we be a people that humble ourselves before you and in that step into the battle with you. Help us not magnify the giant, but magnify you, Lord. I pray that in your name. Amen. Amen. So we have the first statement, I'm not meant to be here. Secondly, that feels okay. That feels okay. Now, this might just be a British thing, or it might be a Scottish thing, or it might just be a Thomas thing. But why do we, or I, say at the barbers, we're going with a haircut theme throughout, but why at the barbers, when the mirrors come out at the back, at the end, and they say, is this okay for you? Is this okay? And they ask how it is. Why is it every single time? I say, yeah, cheers, mate. Yeah, that's great. Every single time. That's perfect. Yeah, thanks so much. 
I have had some shockers of haircuts where they get the mirrors out at the end and they, they show you the back of the head and I'm like, oh my goodness, everything inside of me is like, oh man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to go to another barber's after this barber's. But yet when he asks me, I'm like, hi mate, cheers, yeah, I'll pay £15 for that, thanks very much. I've accepted it. Or another example is I was at the dentist before the pandemic and I got root canal treatment and as he drilled down into the very core of who I am, that's how it felt, uh, into my jawbone, he says, does is, is that feel okay? And at that moment, you know, that way you're all numb and I hate a dentist speaking when he's doing work on you and you have to reply. And I'm like, uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, trying to speak and it's just not working. But I'm like, yeah, that feels fine when my whole body is like trembling in pain. We accept the discomfort, the stiff upper lip. I don't know what it is. And uh, I have a solution for this. Not just for those encounters, but when we have moments where we say that feels okay when it really isn't. And my solution is that we become more like children. As Jesus taught into in Matthew 18, at the beginning of Matthew 18. And we just call it out like it is. Just like children do. My youngest this week said to me, he said, Daddy, you can't run now. We're just walking. He says, Daddy, you can't run now because you're old. <laughs> it just, it's just brutal, isn't it? And of course, I, I can run. But they don't shy away. They just say it like it is. We could learn a lot. We could learn a lot. Just call it out. I felt a sneeze coming there. And it's came. Right. Just call it out. Our small shepherd boy, David, teaches us that if the shoe doesn't fit, call it out. Quite literally, call it out. Too often, I feel we can get weighed down by what others have put on us. And it's not ours to wear and it's not ours to carry. We see David being given the armour to face Goliath. Verse 38 to 40. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armour on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand approached the Philistine. I cannot go in these. I'm not used to them. Imagine David in that moment said, when he's got everything on, I don't know how he would looked, but yeah, it feels fine. So yes, I'm ready to go and battle this giant. And he kind of walks about and it's too heavy. He's sweating already. It's just clunky. It's not him. This small shepherd's boy's story was his story in his way using his unique gifts. We've got to be careful as we face giants that we don't predict this is the way that we're going to do it or this is how we did it last time or this is how we slay the giant. You'll need this. It's got to fit the person. And we don't see huge armor. We don't see a massive sword. We see some small stones and a small sling. It's important when it comes to uh, these battle situations where God wants to use us that we don't typecast the solution. And this story is ridiculous. It's absurd. It's so God. There's something in the small. There's something so upside down in this that I feel 
It challenges us into a, a trap that we can get into, a predictable nature that we can walk with God, where we look often, all, often, more often than not, for the accomplished, polished, experienced. And there's small shepherds hearing the giants for 40 days and nights. There's small shepherds waiting in the wings, and we are too busy trying to fit them out when they already have their slings. I'd lo- I long for us, for us as a church, and it's my heart as we, as we step out of this season that we'd be a church that don't create obstacles, but create opportunities to slay giants. For us that we would, as individuals, that we'd lay down things that don't fit. Things that people have placed on us, that have weighed us down, and that we would play to our God-given strength. That we would say, I'm not used to this. I cannot go in this. This isn't me. Perhaps God's inviting us a fresh invitation to lay it down this morning. And then finally, the last statement is, I'm too small to make a difference. I'm too small to make a difference. Verse 45, I absolutely love. I think it's my favorite in the whole account. It says, oh, I'll read it in a little moment. Just picture it. David, young, a young shepherd boy, the youngest, the bread deliverer, the messenger, the seven older brothers watching, refused the armor. We have Goliath, warrior, huge sword, not only a sword, but a spear, not only a sword and a spear, but a sword, a spear, and a javelin. David, some small stones and a sling. Often we can look at the giant and we think, ah, what I have, that's not going to cut it. It's not going to do it. When we're face to face and we see what we're up against, we acknowledge our, our smallness and actually fear can take over and we let the giants rule. We give them more room to breathe. But we see in the passage, David doesn't do that. David says to the Philistine, verse 45, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. I come against you in the name of the Lord, the name of the Lord in Jesus' name. Nothing right now, this morning, nothing can overpower Jesus. Nothing, no one is above Jesus. Nothing has the upper hand on Jesus. No one can compete with Jesus. There's something in the small when Jesus is involved. There's nothing to fear in the small when Jesus is involved. You and Jesus, me and Jesus are in the majority every single time. Goliath will fall with Jesus in the mix. Goliath will fall when we step forward with Jesus on the battlefield. Jesus loves to use the small like you and like me. He loves to use the unlikely in his mission He loves to use the young in his mission. He loves to surprise us. He loves to use us uh, in the unexpected places. He loves to use the unqualified. He loves to use the forgotten. I think in all this, it's it's a reminder for us. Let's not predict. Let's not set out the way we think it should be. Let's look out for the shepherd boys. 
Let's look out for the unlikely. Let's remember a small boy with some small stones. Let's remember who Jesus is in our smallness, in our weakness. You're blessed when you're at the end of your rope. With less of you, there is more of God and his rule.